Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Desi Sportscast Football Show. And it's a really warm welcome to Nevin. Nevin, good afternoon, my friend. How are you? Good afternoon. Very difficult to answer how I am, but uh, moving on, there's plenty of football to follow, so it's, it's okay. There is, obviously, this is something that's keeping us going and has been for the past um, year. Well, not a whole year, but pretty much a year. But, um, you know, I can't avoid the com- uh, conversation. I had a long conversation yesterday on the cricket show as to whether the IPL should continue because the uh, story now is making, I think I said in the show last week, headline news here as well, and it's embarrassing and it's um, uh, frightening and it's shocking. That there's so many words I can use. Um, you're living it at the moment back home, unfortunately, and um, you put up a few tweets as to how you're finding things. Um, but... I don't rely on the news channels. I rely on you guys to keep me updated because you're actually there without, um, you know, any uh, media buyers. So give us an update in in terms of um, how is it in the state and how you're feeling, how it is around the nation. Uh, around the nation, it's pretty gloomy, and whatever the foreign media has been reporting, I think they've been pretty spot on. In fact, we would like to thank the BBCs and the Australian media and everybody else too, you know, because they've ha- they've shown have shown the courage uh, despite a lot of government uh, pressure to go out and report and tell the real stories of what is happening. Uh, because our media is just our media doesn't exist; we are just a mouthpiece for the for the government. So, uh, the if you talk about the country, the, it is gloomy. I have friends calling in, sending all these requests simply because you have a certain following on Twitter, a lot of people are sending you messages saying, can you amplify this? Because this country is run by Twitter. If if a New Zealand embassy have to tweet up for oxygen, imagine how bad it is if an embassy have to do that. And really? also tweet to an opposition party. It's, it's, it's just ridiculous in so many levels and the denial from the government that something like this is going on. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's absolute chaos uh, with respect to the state. Uh, Kerala is definitely one of the better of states in terms of in health infrastructure and not necessarily in terms of the cases, but health infrastructure wise, we are perhaps the best in India. But uh, from what I can understand, and I've made a lot of calls myself in the last few days, is that with, with uh, respect to ICU and ventilators, we are still short. So there is a real problem when it comes to getting ICUs and ventilators. The state didn't prepare. So there is no shortage of oxygen. There is no shortage of beds. But what I think has uh, gone wrong or what I think I, we have to admit that this is not something that you and I would have also predicted is the, um, is how lethal this new strand strain of uh, COVID is. So a lot more ICUs and ventilators are required. So the state didn't foresee these many cases going into the ICU. So um, I hope uh, I hope they are uh, they are making uh, necessary changes. We've also had the elections today. The results are being announced right now as we speak. So I think the uh, the hanging government is also not really helping. You know, nobody knew who's going to take over after after today. So uh, I hope the new government comes out very strong and we do something about this because uh, it is it is dire. It's it's a I stay in Kochi and in our district there is no ICU bed available. So wow. a lot of people are going to nearby districts and outside schools get. 
I suppose one positive, well, little positive is there's no issues around oxygen there by the sound of it, whereas in other parts of the country, you know, people are dying because of the lack of oxygen availability. And, um, you know, it, well, I don't know, I'm just fed up with it, uh, that how can you get it wrong? I understand my health infrastructure around the nation isn't where it should be anywhere near where it should be. Uh, totally get if I may add, if I may add, uh, my good friend in Chennai, she spoke to um, her security guard in the building and asked him if he had vaccination. He said yes. So she asked him if you had both the vaccination uh, and he was unaware of, of there being a second dose. This is Chennai. This is Metro City. This is where there is supposed to be some sort of awareness. So this is India. I'm telling you this country is ruled by, um, for the lack of a better word, morons who don't understand this country. Not a lot of people have access to phone. Not a lot of people can read their English messaging. Not a lot of people can read Hindi. You are, it is, it is bizarre the levels of, uh, you know, communication. And it seems like people who are unaware of what the country is, is running this, are making the programs. How can somebody not know there's a second vaccine that he must take in a city? So imagine the villages, imagine what is happening, what myth is being, you know, uh, propagated. It's just, it's sad, Bharata. I, I'm telling you, I don't know the numbers. This is just me guessing, but at least 80% of, of the deaths were avoid, avoidable. It's lack of oxygen, denial from the state, miscommunication. I took my mother for the second vaccine uh, a few days back and there was a huge crowd there. And you know, the reason for the, um, the crowd is that a lot of messaging went out in newspapers saying that people can just walk in and get vaccinated. When the actual deal was you need to register through the app. So the confusion caused a lot of people to come there. There is uh, there was a huge crowd, there's no social distancing. And people like me, who I think on realistically speaking, now we are hearing that we'll get vaccinated by August, September. Wow. And people like me, because we have to take our parents, we are also being exposed to this. Mm -hmm. the, the complete chaos, lack of communication, um, and just nauseating PR. I have no other word for it. It's just no, oh, everything is okay. We have oxygen here. We don't want anybody's help. We, we, we are a great country. We are proud of it. Why is China interfering? This, that. When it is just a distraction, you know, it's just trying to take away uh, the eyes from the real problem. If you really don't like China so much, why are you playing IPL sponsored by Vivo right now? It's, it's, a, it's a Chinese company. You have your major tournament. You are saying, oh, this is great employment, whatever. And you're playing that tournament right now in Delhi. But that stadium can be converted to a multi-bed hospital for a lot of people. Okay. Oh, infrastructure. Oh, I mean, even forget that, forget the infrastructure. How insensitive is that to be playing there and to have the likes of Jay Shah, Sarugangani, not even wear a mask and, you know, applaud and have fun with their family where people are dying right next to them. Mm -hmm. Is this the kind of messaging you want to give out? That it's okay, we are, we are rich or we can just fly out to UK. Apparently, a lot of jets flew out from India with all the super rich conveniently to UK. You know, these are the guys who spread, you know, they'll go bring it back to UK. They'll yeah. take the, uh, again, there will be another, I'm entitled and the privilege have ruined the world so much and we will not question it. We will just say, oh, people are poor or people are, uh, you know, not wearing masks and that's the reason why. 
I'm telling you, this country is run by a set of people who have no idea what this country is about. Yeah, I mean, it, it's sad because there's so many lessons that could have been learned and that could have been prepared. I mean, to be fair, this government here in the UK, we messed up with the second lockdown as well. It came too late and we had a huge spike for the size of this nation over December, January. You know what we were going through. Um, we didn't learn the lessons from New Zealand, uh, although that's a much smaller island, different issues, but certain things could be learned. It's just that shocking element of not being able to learn from where it's working. And the one thing that I have to thank this government for is the vaccination rollout. I think that's the only thing they've got right so far in terms of uh, this pandemic. And that's the sad thing that I thought naively, because India is renowned for this polio vaccination day they have every year which have heard, I, I have heard good things about that, you know, huge numbers of vaccinated in one single day or one single weekend or over thing, a couple Bharat, of weekends. We have, I mean, we have all, we have it all set up. We have a way to do vaccination. We've never charged for vaccination. We understand this is a country that is in desperate need for, you know, all the aids that we can provide them. It's just, it's just bizarre that you have to then commission to just two parties to make the vaccine, uh, allow states uh, not have a you know universal pricing for vaccine, uh, you know have states fight fight with each other for it, and uh, now that fellow is left for the UK. Nobody knows if uh, COVID is going to be manufactured properly again. Uh, the the ruling party wants to blame the opposition for putting pressure. Now what else is the opposition supposed to do? They have to put pressure. There is a system here and this, this country is now broken. And now you're blaming the opposition for making noise. Of course, they have to make noise. I feel they don't make enough noise. I feel they should be making much more noise. It's just, um, yeah, I don't know what to say. It's just, yeah. uh, it, it's, my, it's the, the helplessness you, that we... Yeah, the more, the more, and you're living it and I'm thinking it, which is very, very different things. And it's just frustrating that some basic things were allowed to happen. And, um, you know, there's supposedly a, a lot more intelligent people in the powers that be than me. But um, you could see that something shouldn't have been allowed to happen, um, including the elections, actually. We should have waited until the summer or the autumn. Um, and um, certainly the religious festivals, I think the vaccination should have gone a lot, lot better. Uh, the list is go goes on. Uh, but um, and we can talk about it for the whole show and we don't want to make ourselves even more angry and possibly depressed so let's bring a bit of light and no, I, joy. But I would like to however point point out something is how the football fraternity has been amazing we really stuck with each other despite our differences in clubs or whatever I hope I hope the English media or something really covers this aspect as well I think the likes of Darren Caldera he's been unbelievable he sleeps three hours a day and he's just been, you know, amplifying messages. He's got a list of, you know, what number to call, who to get in touch. Um, Sahil Abdul Samad, he's, he's available on DMs. Imagine a national team football player who you can just DM saying, okay, this is happening. Mm. And a lot of other fan groups. Everybody's been like sleepless and trying to amplify. I'm not saying they're great because there is no system. It's a system that we made ourselves. We are trying to make a pattern to, you know, how to get the SOS calls, how to, you know, uh, get the right messaging out, but um, I'm really proud of Indian football. I don't often say this. I usually am the most critical about Indian football family itself, but 
uh, 80% of them have really come out. I know uh, volunteers from Manjapada who even delivered an oxygenator late in the night because the family didn't have one. So a lot of this good work and um, uh, a friend of mine did make a video and uh, she said these words, you know, whatever happens, people will stand up for each other and people will, will come to each other's aid. And um, that's how this country has run uh, so far in its past as well. And we will continue to do it. But all we are asking is the government that is sensitive and just gives us the right information. Just give us that much. We will somehow survive. Well, it's good to hear that the uh, football family is coming together. And it's, um, yeah, it's not being highlighted here at the moment in terms of... Um, you know, getting together to support each other through this very, very tough time. I hope it is um, highlighted back home and maybe um, the news will come through here as well. Um, just talking about the IPL, and obviously we did a cricket show yesterday and I was speaking to uh, Prasan, he's the co-host, and we had a colleague from uh, who's living in Nagpur. And it's one of the first things I raised because my personal feeling was uh, the IPL should be cancelled. You know, how could you let it go on? But they were quite convincing to me. And um, I don't know what you think. And it is probably a crossover of the shows. Uh, but they were feeling, they were thinking that uh, the IPL should go on because it brings a bit of entertainment out of what everybody goes through during the day. Um, and that cancelling it would not make, uh, a, would not have, a big impact in terms of um, what's happening, but it's having an effect of trying to cheer people up during these tough times. Um, what do you think to that from those colleagues that were on the show yesterday and their feelings about? I disagree. I, I disagree. Uh, I am okay with IPL going on, but not in India. It can't happen in India when this is happening, when resources are uh, so less and uh, when the, the messaging, I'm still bothered about, say, the likes of Saurav Gandhi clapping and cheering. And that is not something that's bringing me any kind of joy. I don't know who's getting joy out of seeing some privileged people sit in the stadium without masks and just laughing and having a, a gala of a time when so many people are dying in this country without oxygen. So I don't understand that point of view. If you're really particular about entertainment, there is some way of doing it. This could have gone to the Middle East. We have hosted multiple. Uh, you know, IPLs, delay it for a few months, uh, you know, get the get the right uh, things sorted out, create a bubble in UAE or whatever. We, we did it last year, right? Just go play there if you want to. At least then, it's not happening in my neighborhood. It's not taking away, uh, uh, it's not taking away 10 ambulances. It's not taking away 100 policemen. This is just, it is a, it is a, it is the most, uh, what, it's the most bizarrest um, explanation I keep hearing. You know, I, I heard big political uh, uh, cricket commentators say how, you know, the fact that ISL is going on is keeping people in front of the, uh, you know, TVs and not venturing out. Hello, a lot of people have hot star on their phones. People can go wherever you want and go IPL. So that itself is a very flawed logic. And on top of it, at 10 o'clock in the night, nobody ventures out anyway. So what are you trying to say? That cricket is saving lives today? You know, at least say, I, at least I can understand the entertaining factor and people are, you know, forgetting their sorrows or whatever. I can understand. But stop this bullshit about, you know, it's saving lives by keeping people at home. As if uh, anybody who wants to, uh, you know, go out 
will not watch simply because it's cricket. It's just ridiculous. They're trying to whitewash it. They're trying to make it look good. Just admit. Just admit. Okay, maybe you know the uh, X and Y are the reason why we can't postpone it. We have to get this done. We are sorry this is happening. At least be apologetic. Then the, the messaging has to be right. I'm all, I'm only saying that much. Okay, it might be too difficult to cancel the IPL at this point or shift to another venue. Then do something to get the messaging right. Say, hey, this is what's happening. I don't want cricketers to say. You know, come out and say, "Ha, huh, we are getting uh, uh, our vaccination shots because privilege." Uh, we've had uh, a lot of people say that um, all the foreigners are running back to their country because mm. nobody is taking them back home. So it's just, it's uh, it's outright ridiculous what's happening here. But uh, I don't know. I've also seen this argument that you know, this is entertainment and it's keeping people away. I don't, I don't know about it. If you watch cricket at this point. Do you forget what is going on in your country? Is this some sort of a magical escape for four hours that uh, you can't? You're not thinking. In, it's not happening to me, unfortunately. I watched Chelsea's match yesterday. I did. There's no denying. But it's not like I was oblivious to what is going on. My phone was constantly buzzing. I was still retweeting, uh, you know, lot of applications. It's not really not doing anything. And if that Chelsea's match was happening at my home. Uh, taking away my ambulances, I will be the first one to say I don't want this match. So I don't ag- agree with that argument at all. I think yeah, Sharda Ubra pointed it out really well. Uh, she is a senior journalist, and she pointed this out really well. If you do this, there is a certain way of doing this, not by uh, not in denial and not by saying that cricket is saving lives. Please, please don't ridicule the already stretched uh, health in- health infrastructure in this country. Yeah, um, it's it's one of the reasons that I, I had to ask the first question because, like I said, my initial thoughts were, you know, it should be cancelled, put the nation first. So I wanted to get the views of people who are journalists in the sport, both of them, and, um, you know, yeah, everybody's entitled to their opinion, I suppose. And um, I was using the analogy of uh, when we were going through our peak here in December and January, our second peak, which is much, much bigger than um, uh, the first one in uh, April, May. Um, the football carried on here behind closed doors and it was sort of, sort of a, I don't know, I, I can see where they were coming from because football, I know it, it sounds, sounds very, very trivial and you know what I've felt about the pandemic uh, throughout. Um, so I can see their their way of thinking. I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you what is the major difference though. Uh, was England, uh, UK suffering from basic health infrastructure challenges? Like, do you did you run out of beds? Did you run out of oxygen? Did you run out of ambulances? Did you run out of clothes? no, no? And was 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 Premier League taking that away? That is the question. Yeah, so that was a question. That was a question that was being asked when we did the restart in the summer, but not in December um, uh, during the um, peak. It was exactly. That is my point. So yeah, if yeah. if we have that in Delhi, if nobody was dying out of oxygen, lack of oxygen, I'm all okay. I'm up for IPL. I mean, yeah. I would like my cricketers to play the game. I would like people to be entertained. Right now, it is a question of taking away resource in a yeah. really resource-starved city. That's mm. my yeah, and we've got um, a loyal viewer and follower, Shubham Naik, um, and he's just commented that you know. Kerala has handled the pandemic well, so I'm not sure if uh, Shubnam is also a fellow um, Kerala. He also mentions that um, 
five minutes from Delhi Stadium, there's a crematorium where there's no no place. I think he means um, we know what's happening everywhere. Yeah. But um, it is a skewed up. It is. It is. Yeah. It, it's very very sad, and um, you know people will criticize us for talking about it for half an hour, but you know it is reality back home. I can't deny it. You can't deny it. You're living it, and we say the pictures here on our media uh, all the time. I tell you, uh, I'm sure it, Charles, it must have come out from my phone as well. Uh, and I'm sorry to the audience, but the actual feeling right now is anger. There is a lot of anger. I can a lot of anger that. because if 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 a Darren Caldera can do so much more than a government, then this is a huge fail. Yeah, yeah. So this yeah. is this is a big problem. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's a topic that we're going to be returning to. Um, they're saying that peak will be sometime end of this week. We pray and hope um, the nation comes through it somehow very, very quickly. Um, let's try and move on to, I was going to say lighter things, uh, but it's not so much lighter here anyway. But, um, and I totally get where your focus is at the moment. And um, But I'm going to try and... Um, See if I can bring you back to football and, um, you know, what's happening. Uh, one of the things that's happening here is uh, from Friday, there's been a social media block, uh, boycott by pretty much, all, well, every single football club, the Football League, the FA, I think even the other sports like Rugby Union have joined in. I don't know if you've heard about this boycott and um, your thoughts on, you know, uh, I think it's not long enough. Um, it's just three days. I think it's a token um, uh, boycott. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? And is this on the back of fan power that it's, it's things are slightly turning now? I think it's just a token. I don't. I don't really feel anything's going to change. Um, I uh, in, in the football pages that I run, we wanted to do a thread. Uh, we, we wanted to highlight uh, racism in India as well because we thought being loud makes more sense than being silent. Uh, so we put out a, a series of, and Twitter algorithm thought we were being racist because we were highlighting racism and it got deleted. So it's, 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 it's bizarre in so many ways what people are trying to do and uh, what is the real outcome. And I think that sums up this uh, blackout week as well. I think these football times are based that I really regularly follow. They also came out with a stance saying that we are not going to be silent. Silent is just so, so, so convenient and the problem is who is leading this movement. It's again white people. White people deciding how they will end racism. That's just that's just like men deciding how feminism should face security. It's just, it's, it's a joke. Uh, and uh, um, we need people of color, love, we need organizations working hard to, to kick out racism being you know amplified that's what you can do i don't think this silence ever helps it's just i mean unfortunately i can't follow a chelsea score because uh <laughs> because there is a blackout and there's nothing else that's really happening uh in social media so it's just uh, i think it's a very token um and if uefa cared if fa cared and all they wouldn't take months to decide what a you know what a verdict for a racism uh, issue should be when in like few hours, they can decide that players would be bad if they play for a super team. So uh, it's just uh, it is, yeah. That's why I said it's a bit, a bit of tokenism here. I think it needs to be much bigger. But I, I do believe that you know some of these organisations, social media organisations, have so much control that they want to use. But as a journalist, I'm interested from your point of view because 
you can't get more freedom of expression than social media pretty much there is a line even they have a line i know it's a very very low bar that they set but they do have one but as a journalist are you all for social media because they allows anybody to say anything pretty much i mean there is a problem with that but that you can't censor it you just you have to educate and you have to you know in some sense punish people who go overboard but you can't censor it so who, who would do, who, who would decide if it's social media and it's that it's a private organization end of the day who would monitor who who is there to judge what is acceptable I and think, what isn't i think that doesn't take them away from legal consequences so if you are racist on twitter you can approach the court and you can do something and uh, i think clubs can take initiative the moment there are fans or something i want clubs to come out and not just kick them out of uh, stadium or whatever go uh, you know fight a legal battle because they're not going to win against a chelsea or a liverpool if they put their mind into it do that for ten, do that 10 times and i'm telling you nobody's going to have the you know the be brave enough to go out and say these things in open when as a club ever done that? you know just kicking out of a stadium half of these people are probably not even coming to stadium in the first place mm. um and that's 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 not good enough you challenge them legally put them in trouble make them cost a fortune um and this will eventually stop it's just that will power from there and i guess uh, to go out and do this and I think these clubs are one. They don't want to waste resources on it. Two, they are like, what if the fans get upset? It's, it's again uh, catering to white audience. And I'm sick. I'm I'm really sick of this. All these token. If they care, these clubs with their power can take care of these things in a day. They can really intimidate a, a, a racist. Uh, you know, I I keep saying every time. Uh, even even somebody asks. as lovable as engolo kante i've seen on social media uh, be subjected to not oh, racist yeah. abuse yeah. per se but like you know very casual racism uh, and uh, and nobody nobody bats an eye you know everybody is just like oh, okay it's funny um, it, it, it's it's happened uh, to black it's it's happened to um, female uh, pundits uh, as well you know they can't say any, i mean there was a a good example um, a month or so back where um a female pundit said something about Leeds after a game you know just giving her opinion but she had to come off uh, social media got that bad so you know it, it, including Leeds themselves they, yeah yeah it's not even this offense the Leeds themselves thought it was uh, something that uh, needs to be questioned so it's just it's just it's, it's a joke but that if they really cared they could have done so much more um and i mean this is since we are an indian football podcast this is rampant here as well i wanted to highlight that because uh for example you will have multiple northeast footballers face it all the time they call the, the c word and, really uh, um i am telling you this this notion that a colored country is not racist is something that needs to be broken india is inherently very racist they are they are very bad towards african footballers not just footballers africans in general if you look at the number of cases of violence against africans in this country you will be you will be stunned and then you will also have these uh, biases against south india biases against uh, the northeast uh, they are always called nepali they are called chinese they are called all sort of things um there was a solution to life solution to life with virat kohli 
in which one uh, uh, person commented who is this nepali no sunil no. chetri captain of the indian national team and wow. uh, uh, i mean all, all sort of you know uh, we did actually make an entire thread with all these things on kalpandar but unfortunately twitter got this racist and they deleted it so you know it's bizarre from their point of view as well but um yeah i mean we had ministers in the country say if we were racist why would we work with south indians if if we were racist why would if we if we were racist why would we you know have, you know be working together with dark south indians <laughs> you shouldn't laugh so, how stupid a comment is yeah. that and northeast uh, i mean unbelievable and especially even in kerala uh, i got a lot of sevens matches when these uh, foreigners are subjected to a lot of uh, words it's See, it's it's a thin line, okay. I don't know if it is incredibly derogatory, but it is essentially based on their color, the tones and the names that they call. It's like uh, Kalu, the Darren Sami incident. You remember the cricketer Darren Sami said, you know, he was constantly called Kalu by his uh, yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. sunrise yeah. sunrisers, and he didn't know what it meant. And later he realized, and then Indians came out and normalized, saying, "No, oh, that's just we called some a friend, and it's not necessary." It is absolutely racist. There's no two ways about it. They just call him based on the color. Uh, and so you have similar things being subject to Africans across India, including South India. I mean, South India generally faces racism in in central and northern parts, but within ourselves, we are. Uh, uh, I know in Kerala there is some. Uh, racism towards Tamilians because they are slightly darker than Malayalis. It's just, it's just a complex, complex uh, racist land, you know. It's just, uh, um, and Northeast, I think they are the worst off. They're, they're just subjected to constant uh, uh, racism within the country. And again, if you were to blend the lines a little bit more, uh, we'll have to talk about Islamophobia as well, uh, with all the kind of tones that they get. Somebody like Khalid Jamil. probably india's best best indian coach he is subjected to all kind of you know um, calls and torture and a uh, lot of people try to call him now he was trying to convert footballers into uh, islam and all, all sort of taunts against him so this is the this is a country so it's also i think a little hypocritical for us to go say oh no we called uh, the p word in uk or uh, you know we Uh, we are asked to stick to cricket or go make a curry, whatever, all those, all sort of thing. I'm like, you do that exact same thing in your country. <laughs> you you do it all day, all it, it, It's time. true. We don't want to look in the mirror. It's very true. And some of the things you said to me, I laughed, but it's because of I am shocked. It's one of those that I can't believe this is happening. I mean, it's not. It's nowhere near as highlighted that you know I knew about the issues. Uh, fellow citizens from the northeast were having, but I didn't think it was as rampant as and as blatant. Same with the uh, people from North India and vice versa with South India. And um, and you mentioned Islamophobia. I think one of the great things I saw this week was from my own club, Wesley Fofana. I don't know if he made the stories there of um, him being allowed to break his fast. Um, during two games this week yeah, uh, yeah, on yeah. Monday and Friday, and I think that was a fantastic gesture that brought out, um, you know, the how can I put it, um, of playing during uh, Ramzan for uh, people uh, who believe in uh, the Islamic faith and um, 
it, it shone a light in terms of you know himself. It's never ever ever happened here before, and football has happened before during the month of Ramadan, but it really highlighted. Um, and thanks to uh, Wesley Fofana and Southampton Football Club and. Um, uh, who did we play the other day? Uh, Crystal Palace, I think it was, who, you know, to stop the game for a few minutes. It was all prearranged. Nobody knew about it. It only came out afterwards, after the Crystal Palace game, you know, as to what happened. And when it happened in the Southampton game, everybody was, you know, yeah, this is why the game stopped for a few minutes. So he could uh, break his fast bar. I thought that was a fantastic, all right. I was going to call it a gesture because, you know, it is sort of a gesture, but it was highlighted because it was on national TV, it was on the football game and uh, brought to light um, a really good way of um, respect for everybody and each other. And I thought that was a fantastic um, thing um, that happened this week with my club as well. But moving on now into um, a bit more football and, um, you know, this show has been very different. To our normal show but sort of i want to carry i was going to talk about something else but because you led me to you highlighted about the issues um our fellow citizens from the northeast are facing is that i have to once again showcase a piece of work that you broadcast on youtube and i have to say it wasn't long enough for me i wanted more a fantastic little uh clip it's not a clip it's a small i think it's about five minutes long about football in nagaland um, I loved it. It was it was a really really great insight into even from those four, few minutes in terms of um, what's wrong with our football. I mean, uh, powers that the people are creating this themselves locally without any support. And um, I don't know if you want to talk about when you recorded it and um, your feelings on making that little uh, documentary. Actually, pretty old. This was shot in 2018. Uh, uh, I was uh, so. If you've seen uh, Kalpandi, there is the first documentary that came out is called uh, Vyasa Party, which is based in Chennai. And so after shooting that, I immediately went to Kohima, and I was uh, I was planning. I was shooting this uh, during which Minerva Punjab called me, and that's how I left to Minerva. Um, so I couldn't really complete this documentary. And I thought I had lost the footage uh, because of a lot of travel and also I was just randomly browsing through my artist when I found that, hey, it's still there. I didn't get the sound files, but I found the videos and I'm like, it would be criminal of me to not put it out uh, because this is, uh, this is actually a fantastic visual from a very aesthetic point of view also. You could see Kohima in that. You could see it around, you could see the hills behind them. So I thought, hey, why don't I try to cheer up uh, people by just showing a little bit of Kohima. Also make people jealous that, you know, I got to see a football match in Kohima. So, <laughs> just uh, I actually saw a lot of matches, but the others were all shot on my phone and I couldn't find those videos. So, it's just uh, uh, it's just a visual from my camera. Uh, I wanted it to be longer, but I'm, I think it sort of kind of says what is wrong with uh, Nagaland because I, I wanted to highlight this majorly because there is this assumption that football is even throughout the north. That's not the case. Manipur is definitely the ones. Manipur and say Mizoram are definitely producing a lot more footballers. Um, also, the clubs are there. So, Trau and uh, Neroka is based out of Manipur, while uh, uh, Aizol is based from Mizoram. 
so they have football clubs and so hence that there was an outlet for them to um you know showcase their talent while kohima had a uh, a club called kohima comets in the second league i think in 2016 17 season but that's the only club they've had and you saw that ground that was their home ground oh muddy okay. so yeah so it's it's not even like they have a now in 2020 or late 19 they have actually inaugurated a football ground in kohima okay. uh, so they have a they have a crowd now uh but it really now depends on whether somebody is going to see this as an opportunity to start a football club there uh talent is definitely there but it'll take uh it'll take a generation it'll take 5 10 years to really have a factory of out out because uh, the thing is uh you you heard topi and topi city started playing at 20 that's too late for a footballer to really you know start taking the sport seriously uh so you want a club that's taking part in the 13s and 14s and 17s and sort of so it's it's going to take a generation of footballers to really uh, turn things in nagaland right? but a lot of like a lot of people forget the fact that india's first uh, football team captain came from uh, nagaland i think another until you mentioned it i think you mentioned it in the commentary but uh, in the documentary and, but, uh, yeah and uh, and the fact that if you've read on his uh, profile he was a doctor and uh, i'm just telling from my memory and he had an offer from arsenal at that point oh wow he turned up yeah so uh, so that, that was a quality of football we had back then and uh, so it will be sort of sad if the nagas aren't playing football because i think even shillong even meghalaya for example they have a, a, a lajong or uh, all those clubs too somehow put these players out i think shillong will start making an impact in the next 10 years because they have a very good baby league and the babies are now going to play in the 15s and 13s and all that so they have i think put the seeds out there so megara is also on the way up uh, so it will be a tragedy if nagaland and i think sikkim sikkim has also got a lot of football but they have not really had an opportunity to you know make it big i think if sikkim and nagaland can also really up there uh, football infrastructure and the opportunities i think we will have a lot more football in that region well firstly i want to re- be really annoyed with you because i wanted more and i wanted more now as is the uh, want of everybody nowadays they want it straight away uh you left me hanging i have to say because i loved it even though it was four or five minutes long you know so that's on you my friend uh the mm-hmm. left me in a state i'm sorry where... but like i i did want to make something longer uh i did have another interview as well but he refused he said i will give you an interview but uh i can't uh, i can't show his face so right, he said i'll give you the interview for the information but you can't show my face well uh, so this is uh, kohima comets owner and i was living with him and i was sort of interning with him so we have a good relationship i hope once the pandemic is over and if i am alive that i get to go there and uh, Uh, I absolutely insist uh, on the back of that because you know like I said um I'm going to hold it against you for just uh, giving me that uh, Yeah I mean of- I mean I have multiple reasons my best friend is also a naga and he is like you to get married soon so I have to go um, right and listen to at some point so now there's some amazing stories coming out there but two things that raised um you know made me think one is you know if the powers that be we we had the powers to be that we deserved and football deserves 
the amount of talent that's available there with a little bit of support and infrastructure, it's unbelievable. And the second point is, this is where Northeast United are missing out. Don't you think in terms of not holding regular camps, not um, having community projects in these states? I mean, after all, they do represent that part of the nation, but I don't think they are developing or having that community outreach um, in probably that. due to like financial difficulties of actually pulling it through. So it's not, like, you can blame that to like 80% of ISL clubs. What are they doing in terms of grassroots and all that? Mm. They're not doing much. Barring say an FC Goa, but FC Goa is easier. It's just Goa. There's already a good Goa program. For sure, yeah. yeah, and they have to just worry about one state when you're asking a Northeast to worry about seven states. So it's, it's, no, not, I, think I don't it, want to put all. I think even a little bit will go a long way if they started yeah, doing absolutely. that. I think it will go, you know, considering what's but there now. What I'm also trying to say is that Northeast is not one entity. I think yeah, yeah. It is, it's just a mainstream Indian imagination that they are all similar. And they have a lot of differences with each other. So even if you look at, say, Nagaland, there are, I think, seven to nine Naga tribes there. And it's not like they have a great uh, relation between each other. So even yeah, if you look at yeah. a football match, you'll be seeing an Angami uh, tribe versus another tribe. So all these sentiments are still very strong here. And this is similar across. So if you look at uh, uh, Mizoram, there are Khasis. And uh, in Manipur, there are the Metis and Paites and the Nagas there as well. So there is a lot of these divisions. So this idea of a united Northeast might not really transpire. You know, I think that's just... Um, it's just a very mainstream Indian imagination to hold them together. Instead, I feel the best way out is to have more clubs there. You want the Drows, you want the Shilongajongs, you want them to be playing in the main league. So if, if, if they care, what I would say is like subsidize them, give them the you know extra uh, money, give them something. So that a Trow and um, you know a, a Shillong Lajong is competing with Northeast United, and Northeast United also knows so they can't just sit there thinking that they'll get the best players. Nothing. Compete. We need competition. We can't just have this one team for Northeast. Ideally, in in top division Indian football, which is ISL these days, I would want three teams for Northeast. It can't be just Northeast United because Northeast United in terms of position as well, it's quality. So almost mainstream, it's mainland India. So it really doesn't give that same impression of, and uh, Assam is perhaps the weakest in terms of football in the, in the in seven states there. So, uh, you know, Assam doesn't make sense as their you know, focal point also. So I, I, I mean, I don't want Northeast to not exist. I love the team and they're, they're doing their own work. But uh, I think the best way forward is to have Teams like Trow and Aizor and uh, Naruka, any of these teams playing regularly in the league—that is going to change. Yeah, and for uh, that we need a sort of a pyramid system where clubs from, for example, uh, Nagaland can progress. Uh, but that is a distant dream at the moment, um, where football is in India. But where it is working is in your own state, and this is something I wanted to talk about in last week's show. But as ever, there was so much to talk about, and um, more. Silverware went to Gokulam. Um, if you, uh, the, on top of their I League, they became the state champions as well. Um, the clubs you know, we've spoken about before as well, but um, another great addition to their trophy cabinet. Absolutely, absolutely. Imagine 
the uh, they are the champions of i league the champions of iwl they are the durand cup champions and they are the state champions no, in any other part of the world this is just that's just four trophies that's this massive from gokulam and uh, uh, i'm happy for them they they've done a lot of hard work it's also partly down to other clubs not being good enough and uh, say something like a kerala blasters took this kerala premier league really Uh, feel like a mediocre side, and I, they had no intention to win at all. Uh, but Gokulam, I, I, I've told you this before as well. They've always wanted to win things. They know that winning matters, and uh, I've said this to you in earlier episodes as well. I think nothing works best for PR uh, as as success, you know, winning yeah. trophies, and that's that's the biggest PR. There's no, I mean. Uh, I might be getting into controversial territories here, but like you can do a lot of social work and all that, and that's all good. But it's on-field success that really drives the you know audience to uh, supporting you. And uh, in that sense, Google is doing it right. They're winning big. Uh, I hope the Indian uh, Kerala media is also just. I hope they do much more. I think, unfortunately for Google, they've. They've won in a time where COVID and elections yeah, have just yeah. taken away the entire coverage. Yeah. There's no room to talk about their success and mm-hmm. the season they had. I probably should do a video with one of them so that we can put it out on Kalpan or something. Uh, but uh, uh, a massive success and uh, and they deserved it. Yeah. I I felt a little sad for KCB. KCB is a departmental team, by the way. So. Everybody looks out on down on department teams. They say you know quality. Uh, they raised the finals and they were perhaps the best that aside from the final till like sixty minutes, but you could see they had run themselves out. You know they were not ready to play after ninety minutes. They were hardly had time to recoup after their semi-finals. So I think at end of the day, I think Gokulam's superior squad sort of pulled it through and uh, an extra time you know, sort of saved it for them. But deserved winners. Well, I'm just going. To, I'm just writing down my list of um, expectations. Um, a brilliant series uh, from the northeast covering football and a documentary in Gokulam. Um, so I'm looking forward to that as well because that is something I would really, really look forward to watching. Uh, but you mentioned PR and um, how success breeds, uh, you know, a lot of publicity. We have to join. I think I'm hoping you agree. I don't know where you stand on this, but in congratulating Goa in their first ever. Um, season or you know in the um, Asian Champions League and the performance was much better than I expected and um, fair play to the team for representing the nation so well in that tournament in the group stages of that tournament. Absolutely, I mean we did discuss this in our early show before the Champions League also how maybe this will bring out the best of Goa because the team and design that they can keep hold of the ball and. The entire expectation is for them to lose. So they had the underdog tag, uh, underdog tag, unlike in say ISL where they're expected to steamroll and you know dominate matches. So I think this helped Goa in some sense to really just focus on their strengths, to settle down, keep a shape, and all that. And uh, credit to them, they did it really well. Even the last match without the help of foreigners, mm-hmm. they did uh, you know they did admirably. And uh, I think the squad is looking good now. I, I hope they can. Continue um, this in the next uh, ISL season as well. Um, get in the right kind of. Uh, I the best thing about Goa is uh, the reserves that keeps coming from Goa itself. Mm-hmm. They have very young, like 
whenever there is a need, like when when there is suddenly a shortage of left back, there is already another person ready, mm-hmm. and that's how to brand a football club. You don't have to go shopping all the time. Um, they have they have a striker ready, they have a midfielder ready. So even injuries to like say uh, key figures like for instance Rebello really didn't upset the team so much because they had other reserves from India itself ready to take up these uh, positions. And I I also need to talk about Brandon. I think he's evolving into a really good smart uh, footballer. Um, if I may say so, it's probably like unfair as well. Probably, but coming from a Chelsea fan, I like him. I, he, he is like the Mason Mount for me because of the versatility. He can play in, a, in an attacking position. He can yeah. play in a uh, in a midfield, a deeper position as well. And he, whatever position he's been put, he is uh, he's working hard and he's you know providing the spark required. What two assists or three assists in the uh, in the AFC Champions League is no mean feat as well. So. Well. Yeah, and just on the back of that, um, very, very unlucky to get that uh, late equaliser by uh, Al Ryan. But uh, it was good to see an All Indian eleven playing really well. And still, we, you know, they lost two 0 to a team from UAE, like our national team. But um, it was also a good sign that the Goa um, board, uh, team management allowed the foreign players and the coaches to leave. Um, before the restriction setting. So that, that was a really good um, um, act from them as well. But I think it will also incentivize the Goa players um, to play in the Champions League again. And um, they'll really be fighting, I mean, fighting for the league title always, but uh, even more now that they've had a taste of this, because like you said, they're all young Indian players and they'll want more. So I think it can only benefit um, our football that they've had a taste and they've uh, held their own. So. Fair play to Goa, and I'm glad they're getting all the plaudits. Uh, uh, Personally, also very, very exciting to see young Mukan uh, Chote. Uh, I've worked with him at Minerva, little right. kid back then, and you know, so we've had a lot of meets together, uh, played FIFA together in rooms. So to see Chote play in like arguably the biggest venue for Indian football was very satisfying for me as well. I felt like this elder brother, very proud of. Wow. Uh, seeing a uh, uh, youngster. We'll have to get him on the show. Uh, fantastic. Um, and BFC have now finally got their opponents. I don't know how they managed it because the game was cancelled, but somehow they're going to be playing the team from the Maldives, which I think will be slightly easier than the team from Bangladesh. So they've got their uh, final qualifying game in on the 11th, I think, of this month. So hopefully they'll go through and represent the nation in the group stages of the AFC Cup. Um, last week, you said that um, you wanted um, PSV in the final of the Champions League. That's not looking like it's going to happen. I was so disappointed with PSG. And we will talk about your team as well very quickly because we talk about them too much. But just talking about PSG and the talent they've got and how they collapsed pretty much second half. I don't know if you had time to catch the game. No, I did. I did. But uh, really but disappointing. It was disappointing. I thought they were really dominant in the first half. I don't think City played their football at all. Um, and this is my point. And both the goals came from errors. I don't think they were outplayed per se. Um, of course, the you know conceding men, their mentality changed and all that. But it was a Kelonama's mistake of first goal. I think he misjudged the the curve of a De Bruyne cross. And uh, uh, secondly, a wall sort of you know breaking. 
yeah. well out of ball. Uh, that's just that's poor football. It's not. I mean, I don't necessarily put it down to Pochettino's tactics or uh, you know the likes of Neymar or Mbappe not performing. I thought both of them were absent in the second half, mm. and they should have probably done something to get Mbappe more on the ball because he is the he is the generational talent out there. Because Neymar is also there, but. Um, maybe drop him down a little, or you know, play Neymar more centrally and ask him to release Mbappe because he's got pace to burn. You see, he can outrun anybody. So uh, I personally feel the tie is not over yet. Really? I, I still feel, yeah, I still feel there is uh, uh, there is something in PSG if they are willing to risk it because look at the talent they have. Exactly. I think uh, and Di Maria also had a good game. I think uh, yeah, he did. Uh, I think uh, if, if the front three and uh, Verratti, I, I really like Verratti. I love Verratti. Like, yeah. So if these four players can have another good game, I don't think this tie is anyway over. I I don't think City should be relaxing. You say if they can have a good game, they need to have two good halves. Um, like you said, they had a very good first half, but what happened during the halftime team talk? Um, they just didn't come out. Man City dominated. I thought I know they're both. But both like, again, again, this is this is the bewildering part of, of Manchester City for me. When Mares and when Foden is on the pitch, they are they are a very good side because they are attacking and they are not putting both Rodri and Fernandinho. I thought Chelsea was so lucky in the semi final because so, uh, yeah. Pep <laughs> Pep went with the, the squad without these players and. Uh, um, and so, if Gundogan, Foden, and Mahrez plays, I think they are a very strong squad. And oh, Mahrez had a brilliant game. Yeah, Second half, games. anyway. Yeah, he had a superb game. So, it will really depend on what Guardiola is thinking. If he goes and plays for Nandino and Rodri, I'm telling you, PSG is going to win this game. It's really, it's really City, uh, City believing in their talent and going to go back and think, we're, going to, we're still going to attack. Because if they're going to sit back, I think PSG has enough talent in them uh, to score from, you know, they it's don't need to be inside. talent, but it, 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 I, I don't know if it's that mentality. I don't know uh, if it's the Neymar mentality of once things things start going wrong, it just yes. spirals. Yes. Um, so see. I mean, I think this is the biggest challenge for Neymar as well, I think. If he really wants to establish himself as a great, this is a master for it. You know, go do something. I just fear for them. If Man City get the first goal, um, I think it'll get the game over. I just can't see the fighting. I really spirit. want City to score a goal because then we'll have an entertaining match. I don't know if we will. <laughs> I don't know if PSG, the players, I know Variety we just spoke about and De Maria, but the likes of Neymar, he has a lot of influence in that team. And I just think, I don't know if they've got to fight in them. Again, I think, uh, I think Marquinhos has developed himself to a Thiago Silva. I think he's a good captain and yeah. I am, I'm not giving up. I'm at least expecting a very entertaining match. I do yeah, think yeah. City will have it easy for 90 minutes. Well, here we're looking forward to an all-English uh, final in terms of Man City against Chelsea and Arsenal against Manchester United. Um, that's how optimistic people are here that it's going to be a Premier League um, in both the, the finals. Um, are you hopeful for your boys getting there? I, I think they've got a very good chance at home. But I think they missed the miss winning. They should have won against Real Madrid there. I thought uh, uh, I thought Zidane got his tactics wrong. They were really exploiting a lot of spaces. 
Engolo Kante had like an unbelievably free match against a midfield three. I mean, ridiculously talented midfield three allowing an Engolo Kante to dominate. Yeah. It, it won't happen. It won't happen in the next match. I uh, I don't know if Valverde is fit or not. I don't know why he's not playing for Real Madrid. Uh, but uh, even, a, a, even a player like Isco would make a huge difference if Chelsea are going to play Jorginho in the midfield. Because I don't think... Uh, He's got the legs to, you know, challenge a, a fully full throttle um, Real Madrid side. So it'll be interesting if Zidane switches to a diamond midfield, then Chelsea are in trouble. Uh, if he's going to play with the same three, I think there might be some spaces. Especially, I am also hearing uh, Marcelo is uh, injured, so he might be missing the uh, missing the match as well. So I, I think Mendy is also injured. So I think both their left backs are. Uh, are not available. So, it, it really depends. And I hope uh, Tuchel also sort of uh, understands that he can't sit back. This is mm. not, a, uh, not a side that you can afford to sit by because the likes of Tony Cruz can score from anywhere. Yeah, yeah. They, can, they can dictate things from if you give them space. So, you have to keep attacking as well. And for that, you need the likes of Pulisic, you need the likes of Ziyech. Uh, Havertz had a good game yesterday, so yeah, um, yeah, you know yeah. it, 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 it'll be really interesting to see how uh, how the I I I I wouldn't even mind um, playing the likes of Mount in a deeper position with Angulo Kante because I think he's more versatile and uh, I really really hope Kovacic is fit so that you know, Kovacic would have been perfect for that role I think because he drives he, he will carry the ball forward and he's got the ability I think. Could have been a good match, uh, Modric versus Kovacic. It's just sort of unfortunate that he picked up a, uh, an injury. But if, again, it's a, I think it'd be very interesting if if Real Madrid scores the first goal, then things might uh, you know and an early goal like a first half goal, then things would be very topsy-turvy because Chelsea will be under pressure and. Uh, uh, it, because a one zero is good enough for them, and they've scored their away goal as well. So, uh, very interesting match. I'm just happy that Ramos is not fit. Uh, <laughs> I, I know. He would have been a, he, in these kind of matches. You don't want Sergio Ramos anywhere near the field. So he's just a master at you know annoying the uh, forwards. Still. And Chelsea have like forwards like Havertz and uh, uh, Warner. Not the bullies, you know. A Diego Costa would have been much more fun to watch because he, he's going to get nasty and he'll do something. But these that guys are too nice. Some, yeah, that that would be some um, uh, players to watch those two. Uh, but yeah, really good um, going into the final two legs. Both teams, I think it will be a question of who scores first. Uh, but um, all four teams still can go through. Uh, but I. I've slightly changed my mind. I did want PSG. Not did. I fancied PSG beating Man City, but now I'm not sure. And I think it might just be an all-English final, um, which you'll be happy about. And definitely people here in England will be definitely very happy about. So People we'll are expecting Arsenal also to win. Yes. Yes, believe it or not. I thought they were very lucky in the first half. Uh, first leg, rather. Very, very lucky. Manchester United are already there, but um, people think because there's so much riding, everything's riding on this game for Arsenal now. Um, that Arteta is under so much pressure, he knows it that he has to um, get them into that final um, because uh, things are turning for Arteta in terms of uh, the honeymoon's over, has been over for a couple of weeks, but people have been holding back because they've been in the Europa League and because they came away with the away goal, 
Um, and they have got a couple of players that can turn it on, um, like Osaka and, um, you know, Osaka had a brilliant game. I think he's an exception. Yeah. So um, people are thinking that, you know, Arsenal will get through. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But more fantastic games to look forward to. But uh, as we end the show, we have to end with, um, I hope there'll be another week gone before we do another show. But um, I hope there's a little bit of light the starts coming through. I know it's a big ask, but uh, thanks to the nation and well, to the nation, I mean the people of India and the football community we're getting all together, supporting each other. I hope that carries on, increases and um, you know, my prayers and thoughts are with you always as you know, uh, but stay safe my friend and um, like I said, hopefully things will um, start changing very soon uh, but thank you again for your time. And uh, it's been a different show, but it's been just as fantastic speaking to you again. So it's...